We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always. I'm here with Jason Pat. We got a special guest joining us today. But before we get into that, Jason, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, How are you? I'm good. We have some minor Bulls news today. They continue to fill out the training camp roster. Tyler Cook, former Iowa Hawkeye. I believe he was with the Pistons Summer League team uh, last month. He's coming to training camp for an invite with the Bulls. He's like a 6'8", kind of throwback power forward. Will be another big body in camp. Uh, So that's good. And then uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Ethan Ethan Thompson. Ethan Thompson, former Oregon State Beaver, just led them on a charmed run through the NCAA tournament. I think they made the Elite Eight, right? Uh, Big time run by Oregon State this past year. Uh, He'll be a training camp guy, too. He was on the Bulls Summer League team. So the Bulls, you know, continue to make some roster moves uh, ahead of camp, which is starting up way too soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bulls uh, Twitter account is throwing out some pictures today of uh, all, the, all the guys. Uh, Zach looking happy, DeRozan, Vooch. Vooch looked like really skinny. Uh, maybe he's getting ready, slimming down, getting ready to play super fast like we've been talking about. Uh, yeah, so I think they got a couple roster spots left. They got a two-way left, uh, and we'll see. Obviously, camp starts in a couple weeks. Uh, so we're, let's talk about the Bulls here, obviously, on our Bulls podcast. We wanted to get some outside. You, you guys heard, you guys know what we think about this offseason, all that stuff. We want to get some little outside perspective here uh, on the Bulls and not, not just get a Bulls-centric perspective. So we are we have brought on Josh Eberly. He uh, does a lot of stuff on Spotify Green Room. Shout out to Spotify Green Room. We love our Green Room pods when they do record properly. That's uh, nice. But uh, yeah, Josh does the Spotify Green Rooms a couple times a week. Legend on NBA Twitter, always sparking debates, always, always getting in conversations and all that fun stuff. Uh, also does some uh, some stuff for sporting news. Josh, welcome to Cash Considerations. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me on, man. I, uh, I appreciate it. And I know we talked about it a few times and my Zach Levine crush continued to just manifest this last year. So I'm glad I'm glad I'm on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's start there right with Zach. Uh, I feel like a lot of people still... 
don't really appreciate Zach. I mean, and me and Ricky being Bulls fans who were somewhat skeptical about Zach as well when, the, when they first traded for him, when they made the Butler trade, uh, even the first few years after that, and the Bulls sucked really bad. Exciting player, but obviously they haven't won anything. And like the first couple of years, he was had the ACL thing first, then he's come back. He was pretty good. Like, again, fun player, but like not that good. This past season, like he's gotten better each season in Chicago. And this past season, he was legitimately fucking awesome. You look at his numbers, the efficiency and all that stuff. I don't have him right in front of me, but like I know our guy, Will Gottlieb, the other day did a nice thread on just like just the level of, of efficiency Zach had this past season was he almost had like a 50-40-90 season. He had like 27 points per game. Again, it did not manifest itself in the Bulls winning games. But again, this was also because the Bulls roster has been dog shit for the last couple of years. And like, I think we're at a point where people need to update their priors on Zach Levine being, uh, I mean, we've always liked to compare him to guys like Booker, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, those kind of guys. And we saw with Booker this year, like he gets Chris Paul playing next to him. He plays on a good team. And now more people appreciate Devin Booker. I think that's what we are hoping that happens with Zach Levine this season with, with this more talent around him. What is your take on Zach Levine? Where do you like place him when you compare him to some of his other peers uh, the guys I mentioned, stuff like that, man, this is a dream. Like I just, I've been wanting to pontificate on this for like quite a while to an audience that actively cared about this conversation. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's always a moment, um, during a season where someone says something in the media that triggers the masses. And usually it's Kendrick Perkins or Stephen A. Smith <laughs> or someone to that effect. My moment last year was Zach Lowe early in the season talking about a Bradley Beal, for Zach Levine trade. And if the Bulls were serious, they could maybe make that move and upgrade their shooting guard position. And I was like, how does that make the Chicago Bulls a better team? That is a lateral move. I'm not sure the masses are quite there on Levine yet, but like that's how I felt about him for a couple of years now. Everything he said about Devin Booker is so bang on the money, man. Like we're at a point with NBA basketball. I think I think Matt Moore said this on Twitter a month ago or something, HP basketball was talking about how we've never had a bigger separation between regular season basketball and playoff basketball. Like we just, we just reached a point where like the discourse during the regular season doesn't really matter. And the, the way that we evaluate young players, especially defensively on teams that don't have a chance, it just, it just doesn't hold water. Like we've had the conversations about defensive analytics being flawed and us being somewhat unable to chart, how valuable a guy is defensively, especially a perimeter player. But you throw in the fact that, you know, guys on a team where they're not competing every night and maybe the front office directive is not to win every night. So it, I think Zach Levine really suffered from that. Like he got a reputation really early as being a future defensive player. And maybe that was true to some, to some For degree, sure. but he wasn't a good defensive player, but there's a lot of guys in the league when, when the team's competing, especially if they have size, I really like the word passable. And, and I think Zach Levine's in that range now. He's a passable defender. There are, he's not someone you're worried about getting cooked every single night. He's an efficient three-level scorer. I think it was about four months into the season, I did like a basketball reference search, and there were three guys in history who averaged more points per game on a higher true shooting percentage. And you can say, small sample, whatever, that's ridiculous, man. Like if you're in a combination with Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, for your, your offensive scoring up, but I don't want to hear it. Like – Say whatever you want. So I, I think, man, I'm trying to think when was the moment. It was like two years ago. I think the Jazz were playing the Bulls. And I was like, the only difference between Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell's reputation is that Donovan Mitchell has Rudy Gobert behind him. And that really, I, I don't think my rep has ever 
recovered with uh, jazz Twitter. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like, jazz I, Twitter can get a good, I mean, I guess everyone's Twitter gets wild, but now jazz Twitter, I feel like sometimes gets real, real defensive about Rudy Gobert. <laughs> they didn't like that too much, but uh, I mean, you look like a, Devin Booker is such a great comparison. If the bulls have a run, that's exactly what it would be. Everyone will do a 180 on him. Um, I think Zach's a crisper shooter. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's exactly the neighborhood he's in right now. Yeah, Zach's efficiency last season combined with just his raw scoring output was like absolutely through the roof. Maybe this was Will who said it, but like Zach averaged 27 and a half points a game last year. I want to say he had 63% true shooting off the top of my head, somewhere around there. Yeah, what Josh just actually brought went- up basically like that list of like, it's like Jordan, KD and like Steph around there, like the, the shooting with the efficiency, like on that, that volume is like a couple guys, I think. For sure. So that's what I was going to say. So Levine really was just like absolutely nasty last year in terms of, and you know, that true shooting percentage was higher for most of the year too. And then yeah, started down, like a little. down a little bit after the all-star break, he caught COVID. He had a nagging injury by uh, the time they traded for Vucevic. So we never really saw that pairing. So I'm interested in this from you, Josh, like to this point in his career, Levine has always sort of played on the ball because the Bulls have not had a skilled facilitator. They haven't had a true point guard to really run the offense. And we know that the term for NBA fans like us has become heliocentric, heliocentric yeah. offenses, right? Yeah. So like, you know, the idea is that like Levine, very good. Maybe he can't play like James Harden. Maybe he can't play like Luka Doncic or LeBron. And that's okay. Like he was Super awesome last year while holding the ball for the majority of possessions. But one thing I've been harping on on this podcast since Jason and I started it is I would love to see Zach Levine off the ball. I would love to see Zach Levine next to another playmaker to get that, uh, you know, that same infusion of talent that Devin Booker benefited from this year when Chris Paul arrived at Phoenix. So now, finally, I think the Bulls are setting up for a season in what I think is his seventh year in the league, where Zach Levine will have some ball handlers to take the pressure off him. He is Lonzo Ball, uh, who will be the de facto point guard. We know he doesn't exactly play like a point guard, but you know you can make an easy case that he's going to be the best passer Zach Levine's ever played with. I guess Ricky Rubio maybe earlier in his career in uh, Minnesota. But then you also have DeMar DeRozan. And DeRozan, of course, has sort of transformed his game into being this like half-court creator, who is now a much better passer and playmaker than he was earlier in his career. Jason mentioned updating your priors with Zach Levine. Well, you got to do it with DeMar DeRozan too, after his two seasons in San Antonio. I'm curious what you think, Josh, about how Levine sort of fits in off the ball. If you think that's going to be a major adjustment for him, because uh, he had, you know, he had the ball for the majority of his time in Chicago up to this point. And, you know, any concerns there? Are you optimistic about him off the ball? Do you think it's going to take a while for him to figure it out, but then sort of take off? Do you think it's a natural fit? How do you see Zach Levine in a little bit more of an off-the-ball role, uh, assuming DeRozan's running some half-court stuff and, you know, Lonzo is still handling the ball a decent amount? Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a couple things. Like, I, I think he's a natural fit with the shooting touch and the fact that if the bulls are running things for him to get open off of screens and cuts, like he's going to excel in that role. No, no doubt about it. I just, I wonder, I mean, this kind of, this conversation I've kind of had with Luca too. And like that whole heliocentric thing that you've mentioned, like it does feel like when you get to the playoffs that I, I know you can't necessarily win on the back of one heliocentric player, but it, 
does come back around to that guy being able to make those plays when you need him to. And I wonder, are the Bulls going to transition into a more, I don't want to say equal opportunity offense because it won't be that, but like something a little bit more natural where DeRozan and Ball get to create and then transition back for the playoffs because I wonder, you know, the ball that we saw last year that everyone was so enthralled with, with the Pelicans, wasn't exactly that guy. He was this 3 and D complementary secondary playmaker. I mean, I, I don't, as a Canadian, not a Raptors fan, as a Canadian, like DeMar DeRozan's playoff struggles in the half court are well documented. So I wonder, like, are the Bulls going to make this flip to where Levine transitions into this new role, but then have to flip back in the playoffs? And I guess not to throw the question back at you as the guest, but do you think that if they make that change, it's sustainable when they get to the 16 game uh, turnaround? For sure. Like one thing I think is that like, they still don't really have the quote unquote primary creator. Like they don't have one guy whose full-time role is going to be on the ball. Instead you have Zach who could wear the title of secondary creator now matched with another secondary creator and DeMar DeRozan. And do we want to say Lonzo is a secondary creator? Like maybe he's sort of like a complimentary guy sure. uh, yeah i, I, I think, think it's fair sort of i saw there was some big argument on like bulls twitter today about like how many assists lonzo ball was in average and like people were freaking out i think bulls fans some bulls fans are freaking out with like if you'd average seven assists i think that's what he averaged last year but uh if he got that that'd be totally fine but continue ricky i just i know I mean, that that is going to be like a question like who's going to be doing the bulk of like that playmaking ball handling uh it might be like an equal i think equal opportunity thing, like in the regular season, the point about like in the playoffs when the game slows down, right. uh, I think especially like in crunch time, like will that turn into like a Zach DeRozan, my, your turn, my turn type deal? Maybe. Uh, I I guess I would hope that they use the regular season to f- just figure that out and get that hierarchy in there and, and we'll see. Uh, it's going to take, definitely going to take some time, uh, take some time to mesh with these guys and they have a pretty brutal schedule to start the year. So there might be some growth. There will be some growing pains, I think, to start the season with, with that. But I think you hope you work it out over the season. And then when the playoffs come, having those guys is nice. When the game slows down, having those guys who can hit those really tough shots against set defenses, DeRozan hopefully gets to the foul line more than the Bulls that really ever have. And then you have a guy like Vooch and Lonzo who can really shoot. And all these other guys, Kobe White as well, if he's around, uh, Patrick Williams, we'll see how he does. So it would definitely will be very interesting to see how the, how they they kind of use that mesh that offense together. Yeah, and I guess my two cents on this is that I think in the regular season what we saw from the Bulls under Billy Donovan in his first year last year was a ton of ball movement. I think that they're going to have a team that's going to be set up to really swing the ball, and it's not going to be like yeah. I hope it's not your turn, my turn with yeah. Zach Rose, and I hope it's an equal opportunity offense where you're leveraging. Uh, Vucevic's uh, passing out of the high post and passing the paint. You're going to leverage Lonzo's ability to make quick decisions. You're going to leverage Zach's speed, bending the defense off the ball into Rosen's ability to break down his man and get to the following whenever he wants to. So you hope that all those pieces coalesce and that the Bulls really have like a ball movement heavy offense. I think that's what's going to happen during the regular season. But as you just nailed in the playoffs, things tend to slow down. Your opponent is going to scout your actions. They're going to blow things up before they even start. And it often turns into how good is your best player? Take the ball. Can you consistently beat a set defense? Uh, I think you're right that Zach will probably have the ball in his hands quite a bit. He will still often be the lead engine. Uh, but 
I think that he's up for it. Like the thing about Zach is that he's gotten better every year. I'm sure that's one thing you appreciate about him. And he's improved a bit as a, as a playmaker too, year over year. So like, there's been a lot of examples of Levine sort of blowing it in crunch time over the last two seasons. A lot of this was during the Don or d- during the uh, Jim Boylan era where, you know, the offense would just devolve into Zach versus the world, which fair Zach had no the roster sucks. The second best player was supposed to be <laughs> yeah. Lauren Markkinen. Like, give me a break, man. He's finally got the best teammates of his career this year, but uh, Levine, you know, he's always able to beat his man because he's so quick with his first step. He has elite speed, uh, pretty tight ball handler, good change of direction, but it's just like the decision-making, right? Like he can create the advantage, but then once the advantage is created, is he going to make the right decision in that split second where you have to process all these things flying at the same time? So I do think that's still a bit of a concern for Levine because I don't think it's like his natural best spot on the floor. Like really Zach Levine is a throwback shooting guard. Like when we were kids, like when you thought of like, the traits that make up a shooting guard in 2002, you thought of a guy who looks a lot like Zach Levine. And that's fine. Like not everyone has to be a perfectly flawless player. And Levine has improved his shortcomings over the course of his career, specifically the last three, four years. So uh, I do think that Levine will still be used as the engine of the offense during the playoffs. Oftentimes I'm very interested to see how that's going to pan out, how DeRozan slots and off the ball, you know, if DeRozan, maybe it's DeRozan uh, handling handling those possessions more, but you noted that DeRozan's had some trouble in the playoffs against better competition against set defenses. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't really know how it's going to pan out, but uh, I guess when you look at it, like, do you have any thoughts on, like, how the Bulls should run their offense? Or, like, have you sort of delved into, like, you know, I guess just to build off that, like, there's been a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not sure if the pieces fit with the Bulls, with Vooch, with DeRozan, with Zach, with Lonzo, with Patrick Williams or Caruso. Like, you know, as an extension of that first question, like, sort of, what, do you think the pieces fit? Do you think those concerns are overblown? Where are you at with that? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm on a Bulls podcast, <laughs> but I, I, I think they're one of the more interesting teams in the whole league next year in terms of, wow, you did That's a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, you did a lot. And I like a lot of it. And I do wonder where everybody fits and how everybody fits. And, and like you mentioned, Levine's got better every single year. And and the idea, if, if Levine tops out at being a Booker type player, which I'm not saying Booker types out at being a Booker type player, but like the guy that Booker was last year is not the best player on a finals team most years. He's not the, he's not the best player on a team that, that's contending most years. If things broke right, they had Chris Paul. So I wonder, like, does Levine have another gear here? And, and per per your point, like, maybe it's playmaking. Maybe it's the fact that, like, maybe it is decision-making. Maybe he just athletically and, and shooting stroke, he becomes, you know, essentially uncardable. I, I don't know. But if there's another level, that's interesting. You know, if, if DeMar is a totally changed man and embraces that role as that secondary tertiary role player and, and they find spacing Patrick Williams and Vooch and, uh, ball space the floor around those two. I, there's a lot going on there, and like I do wonder Vucevic too. Like you think with Lonzo and Levine, they want to play so fast. Yeah. And like I don't know how much, you know, how many actions are going to be drawn up for Vucevic playing incredibly fast with with Demar and Levine and Lonzo running the wings. So is he still super engaged in that role? Is he okay to be more of a spacer? Like, there's a there's a lot of things that like 
could come together and make the Bulls like awesome this year to watch. And there's some things that could make them clunky. And I think Jason, as you said, like you hope they kind of play with things and figure it out during the regular season. But I'm pretty optimistic, man. Like I, I, nice. I think Lonzo too. There's Lonzo has some absolutely crazy fans who think <laughs> he does <laughs> he do, do some otherworldly things. But I, I, I do think like he, the fact that he embraced a role that he obviously thought he could, um, I don't know, exceed. You know, he thought he could do more, but he was a very good player in his role last year. Bodes well. Vucevic strikes me as a guy, and he's a relationship with Levine where like he wants to win. So I, I think personality wise, it's a good fit. But you know what, what Donovan does and how things come together over the years, I, I honestly don't know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. So one of the big criticisms that I've seen from a lot of people is just that the Bulls gave up a lot of draft assets over the next few years. They gave up three first-round picks. They did get one back uh, with the marketing trade, which is nice. You have a lot of draft assets for this team that they're interesting, they're fun, but their ceiling might not be that high. Uh, like, why would you give this up this much for a, whatever, a six-seed ceiling? I still think they could possibly, if things do come together, maybe they could get four or five. But what do you make of that, Chris? As, I guess Bulls fans, like, we, they've been so garbage since the Jimmy trade. I think it's just a breath of fresh air that they have made. These, they've been aggressive to go get guys that they, Zach's going to be a free agent next summer. you got to prove to him that you're, like you, you've got to win something. Uh, so like, yes, I get, they gave up a lot for DeRozan, like what three years, whatever, or whatever, 82 million, whatever he got. That was a lot. The trade, what they gave up from the trade was a lot. I get it. The Vucevic trade as well. Two first round picks for a 30 year old center. I get it. It was a lot, but I think like they wanted to make these moves. They got them done and they just wanted to prove they could be competent. And I think people say, Oh, they got the six seed ceiling, but like that doesn't necessarily mean they have to stop there. If they re-sign Zach, if you turn, if Patrick Williams gets good, if they turn some of these guys in, if Lonzo takes a step, they turn these guys into somebody even better. Uh, so what do you make of that criticism? Cause that's been, I think very popular. A lot of people pan the DeRozan move because of what they gave up and what they gave him that contract. Like, what do you make of that criticism, criticism of the, of the ceiling thing? Yeah. So I, I, the NBA has really changed. I know people want to say this like every time there's a trade, like, oh, the, the league's changed. But, it, like, I mean, it has. Like, unless you're the Lakers or the Heat or the Nets and you have this, I don't know, window in or this personality that gets you meetings with two other stars, like, the path to immediate contention just doesn't, you know, flower up for most teams. And I like the Bulls are probably, you know, maybe they draft someone down the line where he's good buddies with someone else and, 
They go to Team USA together in some All-Star weekends. And 10 years from now, there's an opportunity to build a super team. But, like, unless that really thin opportunity comes together, like, this is kind of the route I think most teams are going to have to take. Like, this is the realistic route unless you want to try something, you know, off the wall. You want to do your own process, tank, yeah. you know, year of sucking. you got to put a team together that you think can be competitive. And you got to hope some things break your way. And, like, I'm not saying the bull – like. I don't know what the situation would be where the Bulls go to the finals, but you look at that Nets trio, and if one of those guys is hurt, all of a sudden that window might be open for some other teams. And so like the Bulls are like, hey, we have a guy in Levine. Like you said, I mean, imagine him developing, becoming this guy. The whole league finally recognizes Zach Levine as a – And he leaves. You know, <laughs> just outside that superstar tier, and then he leaves. Like, no way. So I think they did the right thing, trying to put a competitive team together. See how it plays out. I mean, you can't win if you don't make the playoffs. So give your guys a chance because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not someone who's like, it's still fun even if you don't win a championship. Like, everyone wants to win a championship. But the, the, the path to contention for the Bulls other than this is what? And I, not just the Bulls, like, there's so many teams. Like, if you have a really good player, give that player a chance to really shine because, I mean, the, the chance for you to hit gold and, and win a championship in the offseason just doesn't exist for most teams, most years. Yeah. That was the big like thing with Jimmy for us. Like they never really gave Jimmy, like when he d- broke out, then they did the Rondo Wade thing for one year and then they, and they blew it all up. And it was like, uh, they just never gave him that chance. And he was in his prime. He didn't want out. Like maybe he would have wanted out at some point, but they just never gave him that chance. And it's like, you get Zach back in the trade for Jimmy and they, Chris Dunn is gone. Lowry's gone. Wendell is gone. Like all these other guys are gone now, but you, you have Zach still. And if they don't give him, they didn't give him that chance. It would have been brutal if, if they would have tr- traded him to try to tank again, like after four years of garbage as it is, or if he would have left, if they like tried to sl- keep slow playing this rebuild and he leaves next offseason, that would have been brutal. And then just like, where are you after that? So that is, I think, why me and Ricky like have just embraced them going forward. And a lot of Bulls fans have just embraced them, like saying enough of this bullshit, like Garpax was awful. As Pax said the other day that they had gotten stale. They were going nowhere. They had to come in and just overhaul this team and try to go for it and try to go for it with Zach. Uh, and yeah, so even though I do acknowledge that, like I said, the DeRozan thing, when I first saw that DeRozan number on what they gave up, I was like, oh my God, like this is absolutely insane. Like, why are they doing this? And then I, we had, we did like a podcast right after, and we immediately like talked ourselves into it. Like we're on the sea red train, like we're, we're going for it. And we did a recent podcast where we like went through the schedule just like one by one. I somehow got the Bulls to 50 wins. I don't think they're actually going to win 50 games, but we're really talking ourselves into the Bulls here just because they've been so bad and just like showing any type of aggression and just trying to be good. Who knows if it works, but it, it is just a breath of fresh air at least. The, the DeRozan move was so fascinating because like the vision was there. The Lonzo situation felt like such a win. And, yep. and then DeMar is like, it felt like a luxury to go add him, but what is it a luxury? And I, I think Mavs fans really, Mavs, a lot of them really wanted DeMar. And yeah. I'm like, here's the thing. If you get DeMar, there's going to be a lot of the nights in the regular season where you're thrilled with him yeah. because he is, like Ricky said earlier, he's become such a good playmaker. And he and he does have a nice offensive toolkit. And if you play him at the four in spurts, he's not going to hurt you defensively like he did at the two when he's having to pick guys up off screens at the perimeter. But at the same time, like his playoff struggles are noted. His lack of three-point shooting is noted. And you just the, the on-off numbers with the bench and non-bench units yeah. in Toronto are just take really bad. So, I, I mean, there's a lot there. But 
there's also a path where like he's the Bulls fourth best player this year or the fourth most important player this year. And in that sense, I think a guy with his skill set could really be a luxury. So, I mean, again, Bulls are fascinating because how that, and we haven't even talked about Kobe White. And I did want to ask like, what is the vision with White now? Like what, where, where does he fit in all this? Right. Sure. I'm going to respond to DeRozan real quick. Now getting to Kobe also with DeRozan, they needed a small forward. They didn't have one. And they needed a guy who could take some pressure off Levine as a ball handler, since we know that's not exactly Lonzo's game. They needed a guy who could get to the foul line, which DeRozan's really good at. Bulls were like last in the league, I think, about free throws last year. There you go. And I believe the Bulls were also last in the league in turnovers or first in the league. They were close. Yeah, They're terrible at turning the ball over. And DeRozan also doesn't turn the ball over very much. So he fits all these different needs on the team. He's also like ready to win right now. It's not someone they're trying to like develop and like, he's ready to go. Like uh, Levine knows he can count on him. So in terms of Kobe, personally, I think that this should be the best thing that ever happened to Kobe. These off season moves. I don't know how Kobe personally feels about it. It's gotta be tough when you're the number seven overall pick. You're starting last year. You're the starting point guard. The team is really invested in you. And now it's like he's almost an afterthought. But all he needs to do is look to his former college teammate and close friend, Cameron Johnson, to see what playing on a good team can do for your league-wide reputation. If Cam Johnson and Kobe White were both free agents tomorrow, who do you think is getting a bigger contract? I can almost guarantee it's Cam Johnson because – People just saw him perform at a high level in the playoffs. And even though when he was taken with whatever lottery pick he was taken with, we all thought it was crazy. I do draft grade trust me nation. I think I gave it a D. Okay. I was totally wrong. I blew it. Like Cam Johnson was awesome. It was a brilliant pick by James Jones because he, you know, sort of drafted for a need, but he hit it. Like he hit on that pick and uh, Cam Johnson playing a small role on a winning team. Looks a lot better when you got CP3. Looks a lot better when DeAndre Ayton starts playing like a number one pick and you got all these guys to take pressure off him. Now I think Kobe steps into a similar role where, yeah, Kobe's not the same size as Cam Johnson, but I think he's going to be a catch and shoot guy. And that's the one NBA skill he's had to this point in his career. Like when Bulls tried to make him a point guard, he couldn't really dribble the ball. He couldn't really run the offense. He couldn't really get the team into their sets. But now he's going to have a lot of other big name offensive players that the defense is going to be focused on when that ball swings, it's going to swing to Kobe. A lot of times he's going to be wide open and he's proven himself through his two years in the NBA that he can be a damn good catch and shoot threat from three point range. So that's kind of what I see him as. I still think like they're going to need him this year. He's got a shoulder injury right now. He tore his labrum. So he's not spending the off season, like getting bigger and stronger and improving his skill set. That's a huge bummer. I hope he's able to get healthy as soon as possible so the Bulls can start to like get him into game shape. But uh, they're going to need some scoring punch off that bench, dude, because when you look at the bench, it's Caruso, Kobe, Troy Brown, Derek Jones, Alizé Johnson, Tony Bradley. None of those guys can really get a bucket besides for Kobe. None of those guys can average 10 points a game besides for Kobe. So they're going to need him to still you know, be a microwave scorer. And I think that that's a good fit for his skill set. And even though it like, might be a bummer for him personally, I don't know how he feels about it, that he's sort of fallen in the pecking order on the team. I think it's ultimately going to be a very good thing for him. Which, I mean, just really quick, my thought to it. And I mean, I don't know if you could have this conversation with Damar with what he's getting paid and who he is, but 
especially when they got Derek Jones Jr., I wondered, like, is there any way DeMar could come off the bench and be the first guy off that bench to play, you know, three different roles? Yeah, no, <laughs> not possible. No, but I do think they're going to stagger the lineups back a lot. Up four. I think they play a lot of backup four, probably, since they don't really have, like, that's Alizé Johnson's, like, their current backup power forward, I think, so. I think you're going to see a lot of Zach and DeRozan splits where yeah. like DeRozan's going to sort of captain the offense for large portions of the game. Zach's going to captain the offense for large portions of the game. And then it'll be really interesting to see how they play together in crunch time at the start of the games. But yeah, I sort of think that like you're going to see the starters get staggered quite a bit. Yeah. At least I, and I mean, like, that's not unlike what, I mean, Toronto did a lot of that, right? Like DeMar would stay with the starters. Lowry would come out early. He'd run with the bench unit. And like, that's where you got those ugly numbers. But I wonder, like, I mean, you said Kobe is catch and shoot. Vucevic really opens so much up. I wonder if like they'll go the other way where Levine will come out first. DeMar will stay with the rest of that starting unit. And it'll be Levine and Kobe and whoever else off the bench. Yeah, I could totally see that. It's going to be so really fascinating to see how Billy just staggers these lineups. Um, I got like a couple more questions here. We'll wrap up. We don't want to go too long. I just let's talk Patrick Williams very briefly. Your thoughts on him? Do you think long term piece, or do you think he'll end up getting traded maybe for another win now guy in the next year or two? Yeah, yeah. Like it, I mean, it's too early. Like I, I hate that to go to for every kind of awkward forward who shows promise but is clunky as Kawhi. Like yeah. it just it's getting it's getting out of hand, but. <laughs> I mean, he he seems like he can be a promising piece. Um, you know, I, I don't think from a skill game pace perspective, he hit the ground running the way that, you know, people hoped they would, given where he was drafted. But, I mean, again, like it, it, it's a rookie year. There was a lot to be excited about. You feel like he can play both ways at multiple positions. That's a pretty valuable guy in the league today, even if he's not someone you ever run the offense through. So I think I think from that perspective, like, he's someone who's going to stick around and be part of the score and probably, uh, you know, I, I think he's got a higher ceiling than Cam Johnson, but if you got that sort of a contribution from him this year, I think that would be, that'd be great. And um, yeah, I mean, all, all the rest of the discourse on him on who he could be or what he is and what he isn't is, is neither here nor there, but I think he'll be a productive player for them. And I, I think the Bulls are in a position where like he can come on slow. And as a Canadian, like RJ Barrett has so much pressure on him immediately. Like RJ, you have to go do this now for the Knicks and you have to have the ball in your hands all the time. I think it's somewhat nice for a high lottery pick to be on a team where like you can actually learn and, and you can not be the bad guy every single night um, in the news if we lose. So I, I think he's in a good position to succeed, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And he's still, he still is so young. Uh, whatever. I think he finally turned, what, 20 the other day. So Still super young. The Kawhi stuff is obviously just ridiculous, but uh, there are he is there are some you can see kind of some Kawhi in his game that he obviously like he, he models some of his game after him. But just to be like, just like, yeah, it's, you don't ever want to put that kind of ceiling on guy or or like I guess you want to see he can never be like close to Kawhi. But that's obviously an unrealistic top of the line outcome that is almost certainly not going to happen. If he can be as half as good as Kawhi, that would obviously be great. Uh, Ricky, do you have anything else? I have one more question. Go ahead, Jason. All right. I guess just to wrap up here, uh, putting you on the spot, where would you guess the Bulls finish in the East this year? I guess around wins. I think right now they're around like 
low 40s in Vegas has has them there. I think a lot of I feel like looking at power rankings and early predictions like has them like maybe seven, eight, nine in the East. Where would you put the Bulls right now in the Eastern Conference and th- throw out a win total for us? Yeah, I mean, I got them on the over at 37.5 oh, right after right. Had and I was like, man, that feels really like I don't like I know I'm optimistic here for obvious reasons, <laughs> but like I feel like that was really low. So I I'm gonna say like 45 to 48 wins feels about right. right. Yeah. And I would say five, six in nice. that range. Yeah, I think yeah. that is that's where I'm thinking as well. Like I said, when we did our schedule thing, I, I somehow got to 50. I think that's way too much, but uh I do like an over-under bet with my friend every year. And I'm thinking like 44 and a half is fair. So around 45, 46 sounds about right. The East is obviously it's on paper, at least a bit better. Uh, we'll see. You never know what can happen with injuries. And if COVID is weird again this season, we'll see. But uh, I think that is fair. Uh, five, six. And again, a lot of people criticize, well, why would you do all this for a five, six seed? Well, the Bulls have been literally the worst team in the NBA over the last four seasons since they traded Jimmy Butler. If the Bulls got to a six seed this year, I'd be fucking ecstatic. So, uh, well, that is and like, not to play like the what if game, but let's say they get to a four seed because Philadelphia doesn't figure things out yeah. to start the year. They're discombobulated. The Simmons trade doesn't pan out, whatever. They get to four. Milwaukee coasts in a title year and Brooklyn has some injuries and they're two, three. All of a sudden, you don't have to play Milwaukee or Brooklyn in round one or two. Like that's a that's a that's a, that's the sort of situation that could be amazing, right? So I, again, I think there's an opportunity here. You don't know if it'll be this year, next year, or whatever. But I'm glad the Bulls gave it a chance. Yeah, I guess yeah. Just, and you hope what happened to like the Hawks, like what happened to them last year? Sure. They get to the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals, get a few breaks, and they get there. I mean, yeah, I think that would be like the best case scenario type option there. Yeah. And then like when people talk about like, oh, the sixth seed in the East, like that's your goal. That's the most pathetic goal ever. Well, I agree that like you don't want to be the sixth seed in the East every year. But like Jason said, when you've been the worst team in the league, the sixth seed in the East suddenly sounds great. And that doesn't mean you're going to be locked into the sixth seed forever. But that would be significant progress. And yeah, you just want the the needle, the arrow pointing up. And uh, if the Bulls can win. 45 or more games, I think that would be an awesome season. Yeah. And that's – and I know – just the last note on that. Yeah. Like, that's that's exactly it, man. Like, if you can have a year that where your arrow clearly points up, you get a house money type year where you make the playoffs, maybe you win the series, fans are ecstatic, progress is progress. You might even get another year off that. It's, it's not fun to be the sixth seed four years in a row. It's not fun to be, you know, a, a top seed four years in a row and still feel like you have no chance at a title. But, like – Actual, huge, discernible, watchable growth is something that the fans would absolutely rally behind for sure. Absolutely. That's what we're hoping for. Like I said, it's been so miserable these last few years. Just having (laughs) some type of tangible progress would be a huge plus. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Tell our listeners, uh, give a shout out to all your work where they can find you on, on Twitter and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, if you like the NBA Twitter, I'm on there a little <laughs> bit um, at Josh Everly, and I do some stuff for Spotify, Spotify Green Room. I'm on there Tuesday, Thursday, Sundays. Keep an eye; I got a few projects coming out with Sport News. So appreciate it, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks uh, so much for joining us. Love to hear some uh, other people, some non Bulls fans hyping up Zach Levine, having some optimism about the Bulls. Uh, it seems like it's been a bit of mixed out mixed bag out there with uh, the response to this offseason. It is just nice to have them be talked about a bit again because they've gotten so re- irrelevant. We remember uh, 2020 All-Star in Chicago. We were there and the Bulls were a joke, a laughing stock. 
And now to be somewhat relevant again is really nice. So thank you again, Josh, for joining us. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, shout out, Ed, as always, to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, all the great pods across the Blue Wire Network. We got all our great NBA pods. We got the training camp coming up. So we'll have a ton of great content all across the network. NFL starting up tomorrow night. We're recording right now, th- Wednesday night. NFL season starting Thursday night. Bucks, Cowboys. T- we got a great bunch of great NFL pods. We got our uh, win uh, studio pod, uh, uh, open up now in the win in Las Vegas. So that's really awesome. Uh, really just shout out to Blue Wire, all, all this uh, great stuff that they've done. Uh, for us here at Cash Considerations, a Shoggles podcast, as always, please leave us those five-star ratings or just those ratings in general on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Leave us comments. You know where to find us on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, we will talk to you guys next time. And thanks again for Josh for coming on. See you later, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.